course, up here, we're going to have a short one today, but we would have had one that was too long if I'd have coupled them together. So we're in 1 John chapter 4 this morning. We're going to start at verse 17. We're going to take it to the bottom of the chapter. We're going to finish it, finish the chapter today. And we're going to see faith as seen in love. Uh, faith as seen in love. And I still got a little bit of a lingering cough. It is getting better. Uh, so bear with me as I go through that. But uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, down to verse 21. It goes like this. It says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So today, in this passage we're looking at today, we're going to see that God's love working in the lives of his people drives out fear in the day of judgment. There's no, if you've got God's love in your heart, there's no room for fear. There's an awful lot of people in this world that are living in fear. There's an awful lot of people in this world who are on purpose trying to gin up fear. There's a lot of that going on. If you've got God's love in your heart, it's not going to affect you. There's no reason to live it. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what's going to happen in East Mongpuvia. I don't know what's going to happen with this or that. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, <clears throat> because true believers know that Jesus is our advocate. We saw that in chapter 2 and verse 1. Let's back up and take a look at that. Just to set our stage here this morning. John says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. My advocate is Jesus Christ the righteous. I can't have a better advocate. And at the same time, our confidence, which comes from a true knowledge of God and His Word, marks us as His own. I am His own if I'm following His Word. A mature believer will not be ashamed when Christ returns. I believe Christ is going to return soon. Do you? I hope so. I, it would be fine with, I got some things planned this afternoon, but it's fine with me if those don't happen. Uh, let's take a look at uh, John chapter 2, verse 28. He says, And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Keep your finger on that. We're going to refer back to it. That's one of the focal points of our passage here today, is that idea of not being ashamed when He comes back. I think He's coming back soon. I don't want to be caught with my pants down. So, with that for introduction, let's reread verses 17 and 18. 
and then we'll get to breaking it down. Well, let's have a word of prayer. We'll read verse 17, 18, and then we'll break it down. So we had all that for introduction. Lord, I do thank you that I don't have to live in fear. You are a mighty God, and you've demonstrated your love to me by loving me first. And with your love in my heart, there's no room for anything else. So we thank you for that. We ask that you guide us through your word here. Help us to apply it to this day and age. This is very apt, apt passage today for the world we live in right now. Guide us through it, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. Let's reread verses 17 and 18. <clears throat> he says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. <clears throat> now we've discussed before in Sunday school that a certain fear of God is appropriate. We're, in fact, it's even commanded several times in Scripture. Fear ye the Lord. We see it all over. But believers have no need to fear God's wrath. Because Jesus bore God's wrath for us on the cross, you see. That's what it meant when Jesus said, It is finished, John 19, verse 30. It is finished. God's wrath is done. That's what he was referring to. Now, proper reverence for God knows that God loves us enough to correct us, but also that God will never cast us away from himself. God is never going to cast us away from himself. We see that concept all over the place. If you want some reassurance, we've got lots of time. Let's look at Luke 15. It's a lengthy passage. I'm just going to read right through it. Luke chapter 15. <clears throat> I find this pretty reassuring. We'll start at verse 11. And we'll read down to verse 31. This is the uh, prodigal son. We're all familiar with it. He says, And a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he went, began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he had come to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? And he said, I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, 
I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to the servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He is lost and is found. And they began to be merry. <clears throat> and his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. He said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, was lost, and is found. There's a lot of ways you can apply that. But the fact is, this son, he was a son of the father. He wandered away for a while, but the father took him right back in when he, when he came to himself came back to his senses and realized that's the way it is with God. He's never going to cast us out no matter what happens if you're genuinely saved. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Verse 15. It says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We're legitimate sons now. Legitimate sons. Let's look over to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6. That'll be the last one I want to look at in this theme. Very similar. We're jumping right in the middle of it. It says, Because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. He's made us sons, and He's given us the Spirit of His own Son, His only begotten Son. See, these verses also speak once more of the completeness of God's love as seen in our lives. Now, the first time we saw it in 1 John was uh, chapter 2 and verse 5, which uh, says, And whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. The second time we saw last time in verse 12, First uh, John chapter 4 and verse 12. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. And here we see that love has completed its work in believers when they can face the day of judgment without fear. Are you afraid of God's judgment? Are you afraid of things that might happen in the future? When you read passages, I was reading in the uh, book of Revelation just this morning. When you read these passages, are you afraid? If you're afraid, then God's love is not perfected in you. Now John starts right off by saying, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. We should be bold as we're facing 
I believe the day of judgment is coming soon. And we ought to be bold in that. We hadn't ought to be in fear. We hadn't be, ought to be afraid. God's love working through us will reach its ultimate point when we no longer have a spirit of fear when we think about the judgment of God. When you are no longer afraid when you think about the judgment of God, that's when you know you have seen maturing in your life. So what does John mean when he says that we have this boldness in the day of judgment? Well, like I said to you, let's go back to John chapter 2 and verse 28. Or first John chapter 2, 28. He says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Not be ashamed. Now, in that verse, confidence is compared with be, being unashamed before Christ at his coming. Give me a second to build this thought, Jim, and then I'll be right back to you. <coughs> and from the verses around this, <clears throat> we know that this confidence comes from a believer's obedience to God's word. So I can safely conclude that the confidence that John speaks of here in chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, is rooted in obedience as demonstrated in our love one for another. Go ahead, Jim. That's, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, we all have uh, temporary fears and concerns. Those shouldn't linger. We shouldn't live in a constant state of fear, and we most certainly should not be afraid. What John's focus is here is fear of the judgment of God, fear of the return of Christ. We absolutely should not be afraid of any of the, those events. There should be no fear at all. We should have a bold confidence facing those in particular. But certainly it also applies on the daily fears, things that, oh, what's going to, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to face this? Am I going to do this? Am I? Exactly. Fear of the unknown is, is one of the most terrifying fears. Uh, and that we have a, a God who knows everything. There is no unknown with him. He sees the uh, things which are not as if they were, as it says in Romans chapter 4. With a God like that, there is no unknowns. What do I have to be afraid of? We're a little off topic. Uh, John goes on to explain a little bit about why we can be so have such bold confidence. It says, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, sometimes this concept is hard for Christians to understand. So let's break it down as much as we can. First of all, we need to remember what John means by world. Anybody remember what we've gone over it many, many times in this book? You know what uh, John means when he says the world in this book? Yeah, this world system that we have. That's what he's referring to throughout the book of 1 John. He's referring to the unbelieving world system. This uh, government and everything else that we have going on that's operating behind the scenes around us. 
you and I are believers living in an unbelieving world system. Secondly, we need to understand who the he is that's spoken of here, right? It says, because as he is. Well, who's the he? Is it God the Father or is it God the Son? Or is it the Holy Spirit? Who is the he that we're talking about here? Well, we can deduce that it's the same he before whom we can have confidence in the day of judgment like we saw earlier. Uh, and that's Jesus Christ, right? It's Jesus Christ. We are in this world just as he is in this world. We're not a part of it. He's not a part of it. Thirdly, we should ask, how are we like him? How are we like him? Well, there's several aspects of that. I gave you, kind of gave you one. One is that we as believers should be demonstrating those characteristics that set God apart. The chiefest one that we've seen lately in the book of 1 John is love. This is an unloving world, isn't it? It's an unloving world. What sets God apart from this world? He is loving. He is love, in fact, we saw last week. This world is not love. This world is hatred, turmoil, darkness, fear. He is love. And with that love, there's no room for any of these other things. Also, we're seen as children of God. Similarly, Jesus was the very Son of God. So in that sense, we're like Him as well, aren't we? He was the Son of God. We are sons of God. We represent God in this world. So to tie all of this together, we see that believers who are loving each other in the ways that they are supposed to, just as Christ loved His disciples, should have no fear of God's judgment. Because we're living just as Christ would be in our place. If Christ were standing here doing what I'm doing right now, he should be demonstrating the same sort of life, attitude, love that I should be. And vice versa. I should be doing just the same as if he were, I were he standing here. <coughs> that's what John's saying here. And that's quite a thought, isn't it? That's quite a thought. Now, in verse 18, John expands on that even more. <coughs> he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. God's love cannot coexist with fear. Do you see that? It cannot coexist with fear. We'll see that again in verse 19. If you don't believe it right now, we're going to see it again in verse 19. When we, we love God because he first loved us. Being afraid of God is a thing of the past, don't you see? Again, that reminds me of uh, Romans 8, verse 15. We already looked at it. And John goes on to say, verse 18, Because fear hath torment. Fear hath torment. Now, that's an interesting phrase. That word translated torment here is a very rare word in the New Testament. It's only used here in one other place. It's Colossus. Used one other place in the New Testament, and that's in Matthew chapter 25, verse 46, 
where it's referring to punishment. Punishment. Now, punishment, of course, is what God is going to be measuring out in the day of judgment. So we're still on the theme of God's judgment, you see. At the day of God's judgment, he's going to be dealing out punishment. So what John is saying is that people cannot love God and fear his punishment at the same time. You can't love God and fear his punishment at the same time. And when you do, it's a sign that you have not been perfected in God's love. Because, as John concludes, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. He that feareth is not made perfect in God's love. Perfection in love here is a love for God that is based on our knowledge of God's love for us. And that's been the theme of the book so far. If you want to sum up 1 John, that's it right there. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. That's a summary of the book of 1 John. Now let's try to finish up here. Let's take verses 19 and 20. <clears throat> we love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? Now here again, as we've seen so often, John tells us the connection between our love for God and our love for fellow believers. And he reminds us that we love because he first loved us. God showed his love for us by sending his son as our propitiation sacrifice. That's what we looked at last time in chapter 4 and verse 10. Now if we receive that loving gift from God, then we will naturally love him in return. Right? This love of God in our lives will then grow, branch out, and demonstrate itself in our love for each other as well. That's why it says, if a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. We've seen that concept several times already in this book. I don't have to beat it up anymore. We've already looked at it quite a few times. John, John says this concept over and over and over. But he expands on the concept and the connection between loving God and loving other believers when he says, For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? If you can't do the simple thing and love your fellow believer that you can eyeball to eyeball, see face to face, if you can't do that simple task, then how can you possibly love a God who is invisible? Those people who do not love each other, fellow believers, don't even know God. Plain and simple. Plain and simple, that's what John's saying. Let's wrap up with verse 21. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God 
love his brother also. So here John's summarizing the whole chapter. John, I told you uh, uh, John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 is kind of the summary of the book. Well, 1 John chapter 4, 21 is the summary of 1 John chapter 4. It's, this is the summary of the whole chapter. Love is essential to the Christian faith, period. If we see someone who claims to be a believer but does not show love for his fellow believers, then we have to question their salvation. After all, John says, this is a command from God. It is a command from God. This commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Pretty straightforward, doesn't need a lot of explanation. I can't help but think that John, as he's writing this down, was thinking back to the Last Supper. I can't help but think that. Let's look at some passages from the Last Supper, and then we'll be done. Uh, John chapter 13. Gospel of John chapter 13. We'll read several little passages here. See what Jesus was talking about at the Last Supper. John 13, verse 34. <clears throat> Remember what First uh, John 4, 21 says. It says, And this command have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Back up to uh, the Last Supper. Uh, John 13, 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Skip a couple of minutes down through the night to uh, John chapter 15, verse 12. Same dinner. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That was actually, they were on their way to the garden at that point. A uh, couple of minutes down the road, they're still on the way to the garden, still walking along. Verse 17. These things I command you, that ye love one another. Three times in one evening. That's pretty significant, isn't it? Two of them only a couple of minutes apart. That journey from where they had the Last Supper to the garden only takes about 20 minutes. So two of those two in John chapter 15 were within 20 minutes of each other. That's pretty significant. This is how John suggests that we know who is a true believer and who is a false Christian, or even worse, a false teacher. Remember, that's one of the things John's trying to fight off here. There are false teachers in the church, John says right in the beginning, first chapter. This is how you tell a true believer will have love for his fellow believers. And if he doesn't, he's at least a false Christian Possibly a false teacher. Brother Fisher, could I have you close us in a word of prayer?